Right. So um, now, but my first question is this. Uh, when you hear several people talking about something that is good, what is your first impression? What do you do? Now, it could be a film. For me, I'm a, I love uh, going to the cinema and I love yeah, watching films. And that's something I've missed in this pandemic. Um, and uh, hopefully you can get back to that, especially with the new cinema opening down in, um, in Sunway. Uh, which is very close to me. Um, or for Malaysians, it will be food. It's always food with Malaysians. I think that's the most important thing. Uh, it could be the latest restaurant that your friends are telling you about, or uh, I know it it's, can be a, a particularly good source or stall of, of durian, um, which I, I still I have to confess, I still haven't tried. And I know I'm going to get teased about that. Um, I just can't get it close enough to my mouth. Um, well, you know, you really have to check it out yourself. If people are raving about it, if people are telling you how good something is, then you really have to check it out. Now, it could be that I'm, I'm just a bit cynical, uh, but also because I've been disappointed before. Uh, it could be the Star Wars prequels or the sequels or the, the Hobbit trilogy, just to name a few films that I've been disappointed with. Um, yeah, I mean, I will check it out, but nowadays when I go, when everyone's telling me how great something is, I will dampen my enthusiasm. I will kind of dampen my expect expectations. I will go in hoping for the best, uh, but expecting the worst. You know, I am prepared for the worst. And, and this way I can't be too let down. And if it's, if it's actually really good, then I'm, you know, I'm impressed, which is, is a nice way to, to do it. So if I'm expecting things to be you know, uh, the, the worst it can possibly be, then, then if it's not that, then it's, you know, the, then uh, it, I, I'm pleased and I'm yeah, kind of impressed. So, so that's nice. Now, can you remember the last time where you had an experience where, which exceeded your expectations that you were absolutely blown away by? And I can name a few different times, but I, I think I've the one that I always go back to is is when I traveled to America and I was uh, visited my friend uh, my my cousins in San Francisco. We stayed with them, um, and um, then my parents were talking about something, and then the, the next morning they bundled us into the car, and and I just I I wasn't sure where we we're going. We we did a three day trip. Uh, across America, and we went to the Grand Canyon. I'd forgotten to my suitcase and everything else because I didn't know that they didn't tell me that we were going for a three-day trip. Uh, but um, as we drove across the desert, the first thing we came to was Las Vegas, which is pretty impressive as kind of this, it's almost a very strange kind of impressive because it's, it's so hedonistic but it's very, and it's very scarily superficial, uh, but it's, it's kind of uh, full of neon lights. If you've ever been to Las Vegas or even seen the pictures, it's impressive. But then we drove further and on the, the next day we, we crossed the Hoover Dam, which again is, is a magnificent structure, absolutely massive, and it's an amazing human achievement. So we, we spent kind of a, an hour or so looking at the Hoover Dam uh, and being impressed by that and, and the human uh, kind of uh, the 
engineering behind that is, is amazing. Um, but then the rest of the day, we, we drove to the Grand Canyon. And it really just took my breath away. And the size and beauty of it, uh, I mean, I'd seen pictures before. I'd seen kind of video of people flying over it. But just the size of it and how beautiful it is just take, took my breath away. Words can't describe that. And I would say that anyone who's traveling in America should go and visit the Grand Canyon. Um, I'm sure there are other sites and I'm sure people will tell me about all of those. I've been impressed with a few things uh, since coming to Southeast Asia that I wasn't expecting. Um, Anchor Wat is, was, is, is something that I'd, uh, I'd uh, kind of uh, say someone uh, should go and see um, and a few other things. Um, Today, though, we're going to continue our series of One Kings. Uh, I've talked about, a lot about Solomon, his good points and his bad points. We're going to briefly touch on Solomon, but we're going to be talking about the Queen of Sheba, who comes to Solomon and is not just impressed. You can see by her words that she is more than impressed. She is just blown away. So I'm going to, I'm going to share this and I'm going to let the read for us. Um, I'll try this again rather than me doing it. Now when the Queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very great retinue with camels bearing spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she told him all that was on her mind. And Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing hidden from the king that he could not explain to her. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food of his table, the seating of his officials and the attendance of his servants, their clothing, his cupbearers, and his burnt offerings that he offered at the house of the Lord, there was no more breath in her. And she said to the king, the report was true that I heard in my own land of your words and of your wisdom. But I did not believe the reports until I came and my own eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity surpassed the report that I heard. Happy are your men. Happy are your servants who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God who has delighted in you and set you on the throne of Israel. Because the Lord loved Israel forever, he has made you king that you may execute justice and righteousness. Then she gave the king 120 talents of gold and a very great quantity of spices and precious stones. Never again came such an abundance of spices as these that the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. Moreover, the fleet of Hiram, which brought gold from Ophir, brought from Ophir a very great amount of almond wood and precious stones. And the king made of the almond wood supports for the house of the Lord and for the king's house, also lyres and harps for the singers. No such almond wood has come or been seen to this day. And King Solomon gave to the queen of Sheba all that she desired, whatever she asked, besides what was given her by the bounty of King Solomon. So she turned and went back to her own land with her servants. Now the weight of gold that came to Solomon in one year was 666 talents of gold, besides that which came from the explorers and from the business of the merchants 
and from all the kings of the west and from the governors of the land. King Solomon made 200 large shields of beaten gold. 600 shekels of gold went into each shield, and he made 300 shields of beaten gold. Three minas of gold went into each shield, and the king put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon. The king also made a great ivory throne and overlaid it with the finest gold. The throne had six steps, and the throne had a round top, and on each side of the seat were armrests and two lions standing beside the armrests, while twelve lions stood there, one on each end of a step on the six steps. The like of it was never made in any kingdom. All King Solomon's drinking vessels were of gold, and all the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were of pure gold. None were of silver. Silver was not considered as anything in the days of Solomon. For the king had a fleet of ships of Tarshish at sea with the fleet of Hiram. Once every three years, the fleet of ships of Tarshish used to come bringing gold, silver, ivory, apes, and peacocks. Thus King Solomon excelled all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom. And the whole earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put into his mind. Every one of them brought his present articles of silver and gold, garments, myrrh, spices, horses, and mules, so much year by year. And Solomon gathered together chariots and horsemen. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen, whom he stationed in the chariot cities and with the king in Jerusalem. And the king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stone, and he made cedar as plentiful as the sycamore of the Shephelah. And Solomon's import of horses was from Egypt and Kui, and the king's traders received them from Kui at a price. A chariot could be imported from Egypt for 600 shekels of silver and a horse for 150. And so through the king's traders, they were exported to all the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Syria. Now, King Solomon loved many foreign. Okay, right. So, let me pray as we go on. Father, we, we thank you that uh, you have preserved your word, that um, you are teaching us through your word. We know that all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in all righteousness. Lord, we pray that you are speaking to us uh, through your spirit as we're gathered here uh, together to meet, to learn from you, to learn from your word. Lord, we pray that your word is changing us, renewing us, challenging us. Lord, we pray that we can grow to be uh, greater witnesses for you and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So anyone who studied uh, the Old Testament um, and heard me or heard me speak about the Old Testament knows that the Old Testament pivots uh, on great promises that God makes, a faithful God makes to uh, key figures. So God's great promises were made to Noah, to Abraham, to Moses, to David and to Solomon. Uh, and they all find their fulfillment in Jesus Christ. And uh, these, uh, the great, uh, the greatest of these, I think, uh, is is to Abraham. So, and initially, uh, it's straight out of the blue. We know nothing about Abraham as he was called originally. Uh, and so, I'm going to jump to Genesis 12. So, let's have a quick look at that. Oops, 
Genesis 12. And uh, we see here just the beginning of when Abraham is called. Now, the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your house, uh, father's house to the land that I will show you. So God asked Abraham, Abraham to just leave his, everything he knows, his land, his family, um, and just go to this land that he shows him. And, and Abraham goes, and that's his faith. Um, verse 2, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and uh, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, that's the really important part. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's what God says. And we see uh, that in hints of all of those who foreshadow Jesus. We, we know that that is going to be something that Jesus accomplishes. And we see that through at the, right at the end, the Great Commission. God says, go, uh, sorry, Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, bringing the salvation that Jesus offers through all nations. But we see hints through the Old Testament. We see it in Joseph becoming in charge of the famine aid in Egypt. So not just helping Egypt, but all the nations surrounding, uh, surrounding it too. Um, including his own family and uh, who come to get aid. And we see it here in, with Solomon, don't we? So uh, we see it right at the end here. So we're going to start at the end and then we're going back. So uh, verse 23, thus Solomon excelled all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. And the whole earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put into his mind. Even those who had never re read the Bible today, who have sadly grown up without uh, without uh, Christian content in their education, which I think is a lot of the world today, uh, will probably have heard of the wisdom of Solomon. So, as during Solomon's life, his wisdom and fame and you know, God's glory is spread throughout the earth. The wisdom of Solomon it now becomes, Solomon has now become a byword for a wise person. The wisdom of Solomon. I, I mean, just to give you a really nerdy reference, uh, in kind of the, the superhero Shazam, it has one of his things is the wisdom of Solomon. For those who wanted a nerdy reference from me, uh, film reference as well. Um, so we see in the second half of the chapter, we see God keeping his promises to Solomon. And blessing him not only with wisdom, but wealth, power, and fame. Everything that most men desire, and women, um, but what Solomon chose not to ask for. He had asked for wisdom. So God not only grants him great wisdom, but wealth, power, and fame as well. And by increasing Solomon's fame and glory... God's fame and glory has spread far and wide as well. We see that here, and you know, we know that in the New Testament, people think that you know, God's blessing comes with uh, power and fame and glory and wealth. Uh, but we also see, we'll see in Acts when we study it, that, uh, that God's uh, glory is also spread through persecution um, 
and uh, and suffering as well. Uh, so that is not the, the, the takeaway. We've got to be careful that that's not the takeaway from this. But through increasing Solomon's fame and glory, God's fame and glory has is spread far as well. God used his uses different ways and in all things his glory is increasing so one more thing before i move on to the queen of sheba um, i want us just to notice about how solomon didn't have to go anywhere so unlike uh certain bands he didn't go on a tour of uh asia uh that that notorious uh, uh tough nut to crack he didn't go for a tour of america uh, to, to get you know, big sta filling stadiums. Uh, he didn't need to visit other countries uh, and hold court to show off his wisdom. They came to him. And this is again a foreshadowing of Jesus. Some people might be thinking and wondering why Jesus never went anywhere. He just stayed in Israel. The word spread like wildfire. And we'll, again, we'll see that in Acts as we study it next year. And soon the whole world knew of Solomon's wisdom. But I, I say, as I said, I don't really want to talk about Solomon today. What I want to do is look at the Queen of Sheba and her attitude and see what we can learn from that. Now, nobody is uh, certain where Sheba is, but we guess it's somewhere around Yemen and Ethiopia. And some have drawn links to the Ethiopian ambassador, if you, you know your kind of book of Acts, actually, um, that an Ethiopian ambassador in his chariot was leaving Jerusalem, reading the scriptures when he passed Philip um, in his chariot, only uh, to ask Philip to explain the scriptures and um, invited him into his chariot to explain the scriptures and then was converted and baptized and we who knows uh whether this ambassador received his scriptures handed down from this queen this queen of sheba um but some people draw links there and we'll, we'll have a look a little bit more about that later um we do know that just by her gifts alone that this queen was enormously wealthy she had come seeking to hear the famous wisdom of Solomon. But we can see in this passage, she's not just some sycophantic, uh, sycophantic fool. She's not just some fangirl. She's not just some kind of uh, groupie. Um, she's not just come uh, to be googly-eyed about this, this famous person. She's not overawed by his fame. She had come to test him. We can see that here. She, uh, she had come to test him. We can see in verse one, she came to test him with hard questions. Now, I wonder what you would ask uh, Solomon if you had a chance to come and ask him anything. Wonder what questions you would have. Now, it could be probably the first thing, given that he's a biblical figure, I think it would be some deep theological question, maybe a free will versus predestination debate. Uh, I know that Shabazz would, would spend a lot of time kind of uh, debating and questioning uh, Solomon uh, and be interested in that. I think uh, many of us would. Uh, perhaps it might be a, a complex maths question. Uh, maybe one of the millennium problems or, or a formula for the prime numbers or whether there is any pattern with the prime numbers. 
Um, we can see, though, that the, 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 the queen, this queen came with a sharp mind seeking answers. Undoubtedly, some of them would have been to the deep philosophical questions or theological questions of the day. But we can also see that her wisdom is in what Solomon has. Uh, sorry, she can see the wisdom in what Solomon has built and how he rules. For her, it's not just an intellectual exercise. It's also practical wisdom as well. It's so that he can execute justice and righteousness. So if we look at uh, verse three here, it says, and Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing hidden from the king that he could not explain to her. That's, now, that's amazing. He manages to explain any question that she comes up with. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food of his table, the seating of his officials, the attendance of his servants, their clothing, his cupbearers and his burnt offerings that he offered at the house of the Lord. There was no more breath in her. Do you see the level of detail that she is looking at? She is kind of uh, she is looking at the clothes they wear, his cupbearers going on. And she said to the king, the report was true that I heard in my own land of your words and of your wisdom. But I did not believe the reports until I came. Oops, uh, I, uh, I, I came and my own eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity surpasses the report that I heard. Happy are your men, happy are your servants who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Now, this last statement is astounding. This is a time where kings and queens and rulers cared less about the people under them, especially kind of outside Israel. They, rule, they ruled by right and they ruled by divine kind of authority. They ruled kind of because they were born into it. She notes how happy his people are. And that speaks something to her character as well, doesn't it? That she's taking note of his, his cupbearers and the clothes that he, they wear and how he is ruling and his justice. But also kind of uh, how happy they are. How often have you report, uh, heard reports of how good something is only to be disappointed. That was my first question, wasn't it? You might see something and it's good, but it's not that good. It's not something that I would write home about. It's not kind of something that I'm going to then be raving about to everyone else. Or it's, it's actually quite disappointing. No, the Queen of Sheba was not like this. She was more than impressed. She was astounded. Her breath was taken away. There, were, there was no more breath in her. So today I want us to learn from the attitude of this queen. You see, it's sometimes easy to be cynical and hard to impress. And sometimes that cynicism can turn into being impossible to admit that you are wrong. And you know, I know I've been there sometimes in my most cynical moments. Some of you know that I have a really terrible habit of uh, arguing with strangers on the internet, 
and sometimes I spend too long on it and sometimes it really can get me down. Uh, one thing that I despair of is the kind of confrontational argument where the opposing party, uh, and this has been friends and actually family as well, the opposing family, uh, sorry, the opposing party refuses to give any ground. I work hard to uh, admit when I'm wrong. I, I make sure that I, I, nowadays I'm really working hard to make sure that if I'm wrong, then I'm happy to admit it. And I, I, I'm open to that. And I work really hard to acknowledge when someone is, uh, the person I'm arguing with makes a valid point. I really try and make a, a point of that so that, um, so that if they make a valid point, I concede, yes, that's a valid point. But what about this as a question? If I, if, yeah. And once or twice, I will actually say, actually, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. And, and people have been surprised about that. You know, I've heard once or twice when I've said that, it's just like, I've never heard that on the internet before. And let's hope that we can all be like that to come and be open when we have questions, when we have arguments, kind of have that sense of humility have that kind of building and and this is part of the reason why i argue with these people uh is maybe as an educator i i do it to kind of hope that we can rather than argue to batter one another and see who's who's right work towards a solution work towards kind of coming to a conclusion work to gain knowledge and i when i've uh argued with people from another religion before I have uh, you know, come out straight away and I've said, let's you know, kind of be honest here. Uh, I doubt we're gonna, I'm going to convert you. I'm going to be praying for it. I doubt I'm going to be convert, converting you today and you were probably doing the same for me. But let's kind of work towards breaking uh, uh, one another's kind of preconceived ideas. Let's ask each other and actually work towards greater knowledge. And hopefully we can convince the other person they're right or wrong. Um, sorry. Um, and, and so that's obviously what we're working towards. And, and I think that's a great way to, way to start with someone from another you know, position or a, certainly another faith uh, to acknowledge that they, uh, they are working towards, rather than try, trying to battle one another and trying to win, trying to work towards a positive result. I often find that when I'm talking to these people who uh, have these closed-minded, they'll they'll you know kind of constantly switch the subject or the question, and then just start resulting in mockery or just outright insults, and and that's where on the internet I'll just kind of uh, kind of block when it's an outright insult, and some of them go straight to kind of like uh, I feel sorry for your students, you know, uh, if they know I'm a teacher, I feel sorry for your students. It's like. What, why are you going there? It's just like straight away, we're trying to have a constructive argument. Uh, I'm disagreeing with you. I'm you know, opposing you with points. What, why are you going to insulting me, you know, or, or mockery? And I find that that's, that's very common today, uh, possibly because so many people get their, uh, their news now from, from comedians, which is uh, in some ways I'm glad they're getting news, but that's something I realized recently. Um, but mockery is very common today. So 
the point I want us to learn from the attitude is, is this attitude from the Queen of Sheba. Are we seeking God? Are we seeking real wisdom? Or is it just an intellectual exercise? So many people have come, I've, I've seen coming to evangelistic events. Uh, I brought non-Christians. I've seen non-Christians come and I've, I've discussed them. And they immediately go into this kind of philosophical or theological or intellectual exercise. And they are arguing completely on a kind of uh, a, a, a cerebral level. And they're not engaging kind of uh, real kind of uh, understanding and real wisdom, things that apply to them. You see, the Queen of Sheba, she traveled so far to hear his words, and she doesn't just seek intellectual kind of fulfillment. She doesn't just seek uh, academic answers or theological answers or philosophical answers. She comes looking for real wisdom. And when she finds it, she is quick to praise. And I think this comes up. So the first point is, are we seeking real wisdom with humility? And this brings me on to the second point. Do you notice who she praises? It's pretty amazing, isn't it? Let's have a look at verse nine. Blessed be the Lord your God, who is delighted in you. She uses the word Lord with capital letters. That means Yahweh. She uses the word Yahweh. Blessed be the Lord your God, who is delighted in you and set you on the throne of Israel, because the Lord loved Israel forever. He has made you king that you may execute justice and righteousness. So she gives credit where credit is due. She gives praise to God for Solomon's wisdom. This is a foreign queen giving glory to God, the God of Israel, our God, the God that we are here worshiping today and hearing about today. Solomon must have told her about God. And many draw that link with the Ethiopian ambassador because even from this uh, statement, people are convinced that she was converted. And we'll see more of that in a minute. We'll see more about that uh, later. So Solomon must have told her about God and she was convinced and she gives glory to God. And this is the second lesson that we learn from this queen. Are we giving God the glory? And I, I don't have a third point. I think those two are important in themselves. Are we seeking wisdom in humility from God? Are we giving God the glory? That means, are we witnessing for God? Yes, it means evangelism. Yes, it means telling your friends that you are a Christian, that you've been to church, and this is what you value. Some of us have been studying the book of Luke, so this next uh, verse should be familiar to us, this, uh, these next verses. Luke chapter 11, verse 29 when the crowds were increasing, he began, this is Jesus, began to say, this generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given. No sign will be given uh, it except the sign of Jonah. Now, that's, that's Jesus dying and rising from the dead as Jonah going into the fish and coming out again three days later. For as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. The queen of the south, 
And you might wonder who this Queen of the South is. Obviously, I've, I've entitled this talk the Queen of the South. We, it's fairly obvious in the next couple of words who this Queen of the South is. The Queen of the South will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. So again, we see that she will condemn the men of this generation, Jesus's generation. For, and I think that this has got to be true for our generation as well. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. You see, Solomon had great wisdom, worldwide renowned wisdom. But he didn't have the words of eternal life. He had the Old Testament scriptures, but he didn't have salvation as we know it. And the rest I'll leave because that's the most important thing. Jesus is here. Jesus is here in the Bible. We have the words of Jesus. Someone greater, something greater than Solomon is here. But here is the example of the Queen of the South, the Queen of Sheba, who came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. So she left her country and traveled a great distance seeking wisdom because she knew that that was the most important thing in this life. And when she found it, she acknowledged and praised God for it. And so those people who have the Bible so readily available to them, the words of Jesus, the man who is greater than Solomon, and those who don't bother to read their Bible, the Queen of Sheba will be horrified at that. And she will rise uh, from the dead on Judgment Day and she will say to you or those people, look at all the effort I went through to seek the truth. You have Bibles right there. You have the words of Jesus right there and you don't read it. Jesus often challenged the Pharisees and the teachers of the law and said those famous words. Are you not in error because you do not know your scriptures? And that rings true here. The wisdom is there, the wisdom of Solomon, the wisdom of God, the wisdom of Jesus is there in, in our Bibles. One thing that drew me to this church, it, it wasn't the music as lovely as it is, nor is uh, nor it's the people. I'm sorry to say that the people are uh, amazing as they are and some good, great friends that I've made through this church. Nor is it the charity giving, as I was talking about earlier. I think that that's amazingly worthwhile for us to do. It was Craig's insistent that we, insistence that we teach from the word of God. Not just normal teaching of kind of uh, I'm going to take a theme and then I'm going to fit my passages to it. I believe in expository teaching. So we're going to take a passage and see what that has to teach from us. Uh, that has to teach us. Do you see the difference? And so many churches I, I go to visit you know, when I go traveling. I see this teaching and then kind of then I'm going to fit my Bible, you know, you know, Bible passages to my teaching. And that's why most of what we do here is expository teaching. And that's what we call ourselves evangelical. Evangel is the gospel. 
evangelical means that we are we believe that the gospel the, the word of god the, the bible is the word of god and that is our source of a source of inspiration so the points that i've made today do we seek wisdom and that is found in the bible that is found in prayer and seeking wisdom from god i mean i i know that I'm not someone who's kind of so far into the evangelical side. I know that can be the case that there isn't wisdom to be found in talking to people, in looking at the world around us. God certainly gives us wisdom that way as well. But primarily it's through the Bible. Do we seek wisdom? Do we give glory to God? That's in our witness. That's in our evangelism. That's in what we post on facebook that's on what we uh, how we interact with one another that's how we regularly say tell our friends we are christian in some way kind of maybe it's even kind of the simplest thing what did you do on your weekend oh uh, uh church uh was really good on, on sunday morning start with that day by day i'm sure i'm making sure that i'm listening to god's word and i mean that both figurative and literally i've spent many years not doing quiet times because i struggled with it and many years i did quiet times and i would get up in the mornings and i would kind of read and it would kind of because i i would be a bit of a blur because i'd just woken up nowadays my quiet time uh, consists of me listening to a podcast uh, quiet time and i repeat the podcast three or four times so that i really get the meaning that's just different times of the day so i put it on in the car uh, when i'm driving to work i put it on the car when i'm driving back and then i put it on the evening when i'm walking uh, so three or four times uh, of two pod uh, two, two episodes so i get it maybe actually four to six times um, and this encourages me to praise God and, and try and live my life as a witness to God. Are we seeking wisdom and are we giving glory to God? Let me pray. Father, we pray that we can, um, can give glory to you. Lord, we pray. We thank you that your word is preserved for us, that we can. It's, it's so readily available. It's on our, it can be on our phones. Um, it can be wherever we go. Lord, help us to uh, find ways to, to dig deep into your word, to discover the truth, to find ways to apply your word, to be grounded in your word, for that to be the guide to our life, for your word your wisdom to be the guide to our life and lord we pray that we can witness to that lord we pray that you use us as witnesses send us lord we pray to to johor to the rest of the world lord we pray that we can be witnesses to our friends and especially to our family who don't know you that people can ask that what what different what is different about us as christians and know that it's you lord so that on the day of judgment there there can be no accusations that we didn't tell them 
and Lord, that we can face up to that accusation from, from the Queen of Sheba that, that we sought wisdom, that we sought to give glory to God, that she cannot stand and judge us. That we seek you, Lord. Lord, help us to seek you in our lives, in our day to day, our moment to moment. In Jesus' name.